Hello, my name is Jay Jones Sr. and welcome to Life 101, a series where we're going to talk about life and life's happenings and how to get through the most troubling and the most trying of times. My name is Jay Jones once again and I want to tell you a little bit about myself. I was born in August of 1963. I'm 56 years old. I'm the fourth of seven children. Both my parents are deceased along with three of my siblings. I attended Cleveland Public Schools until the age of 15. I received an ABC scholarship and I went to high school in Clinton, New York. I'm from the graduating class of 1981. I did almost two semesters at Hiram College. I served in the Navy for four and a half years. I was married for over 23 years. I've been a widower for the last 10. I'm about to remarry. I have two children, a son age 30 and a daughter age 17. Uh, I attended the Ohio Media School along with working full-time, a job I've been on for over 25 years. I recently graduated from the Ohio Media School, and I want to thank you for listening to me and helping me to fulfill my dream. Uh, now we're going to start off. Uh, January 1st, 2010 is a day that I'll never forget because it was the day that my beloved wife, Charlinda, went home to be with God. She was sick. She had lung cancer. And it was very, very trying to say the least. It was the most emasculating time for me as a male because as a man, you're raised and trained to be your wife's protector and to keep her safe from anything and any kind of harm. And there was nothing I could do. And it is, as a man, that is the most emasculating thing you're gonna go through is watching someone you love be in pain and there's nothing you can do to heal the pain. She left me with two children and a ton of memories. It was, it was and still is a pain. And the one thing I've learned is to never tell someone who's just lost a loved one that it gets better with time because it doesn't. All time does is remind you of how long it's been. The best thing to tell someone who's lost a loved one is tell them that you're praying for them because that's the only thing that's going to work. And I tell you, it is a pain, a pain that I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. And I've learned several things during my healing process. Like I told you earlier, it doesn't get better with time. And I also learned that you realize you can't really depend on or trust people because they'll be there in the short term. And in the short term, I mean a week, a month after the funeral at best, then they get back on with their lives. And then you somehow have to learn how to get back on with yours. The only person you can depend on is God and his son, Jesus Christ. And you pray that you'll make it through. And for me, it was God and my children because I did not want to disappoint my children. I had to present a strong front for them because I wanted them to keep going on. And if you never listen to anything else I ever say, remember, your children are watching everything you do. They're watching you when you don't think they're watching. And they're waiting to call you on something you've done or said. So it's always to your advantage to be truthful with your children. Because the minute 
they realize that you've lied to them from that point on anything you say to them will go in one ear and out the other and it's and and if you get into a confrontation the first thing they're going to tell you is uh you have nerve to say this to me what about when you did this that and the third uh you weren't being truthful so it, it it's to your advantage to be true with your children because uh they're going to be what you make them to be. They And like I said, they watch everything you do. They watch everything you say. They watch how you interact with uh, people. They watch your emotions. And I must admit, I'm thankful for my children because my children made me a better person. And along those lines, I must say one of my biggest pet peeves are people that don't take care of their children. I have developed a newfound respect for single parents because up until I became one, I didn't have a clue. But once you become a single parent, your every thought, your every waking moment is going to be spent on how do I make things better for me and my children. And it is like I like to tell people being a single parent is like fighting a fire you put one fire out two more start burning and the original one that you put out reflashes and starts up again and it is it is not easy and most people do not set out to be single parents but when you're thrust into that position your every decision not only affects you it affects your children so if you're not going to be about it, take care of it to make sure that you don't become a parent. That's the, that's the easiest way to avoid being a single parent is do the necessary precautions to make sure you're not going to be a parent. But in the event that you are, you're going to spend a lot of time on your knees praying. <laughs> you're going to spend a lot of time hoping and wishing. But it the rewarding thing is watching your children blossom, watching them take what you've taught them and watching them become their own person or persons. I mean, it, it being a parent, I was just talking the other day, is the hardest job that you'll ever do. However, it's going to be the most rewarding job. And a lot of people fail to realize your children are your footprints. Your children are your proof positive that you've been here. And if you teach your children to hate, if you teach your children to be a, a dreg of society, those are your footprints. That's what you've left behind. And uh, personally, you don't want to do that. I love the fact that people still tell me today, your children are very well-mannered. I always tell my children, that's a skeleton key. It's going to open doors forever. The only argument I could ever win with my late wife, <laughs> she used to tease me about being so well-mannered. And I asked her one day, I said, sweetheart, the day we met, if I had came to your mother's house acting like a heathen, would I have been allowed to come back? She took a brief moment. She thought about it. And she said, no. And I looked at her and I said, I rest my case. And like I said, that was the only discussion I ever won. 
<laughs> with my wife. And uh, gentlemen, I know you all, are, I, if you're out there listening, you all know what I'm talking about. We never win arguments. <laughs> we just learn to say, okay, dear. And I discovered something else. The men that say yes, dear, they're the smartest men in the world because they know how to keep mama happy. And I'm sure most people have heard happy wife, happy life, and all of that. Well, trust me, it's true. <laughs> trust me, it's true. Happy spouse, happy house. <laughs> Believe what I tell you. <laughs> and fellas, you're not a chump. You're not weak. You're not sorry because you acquiesce to what your wife wants. You're a smart man. Because if she make if you make her happy, she's going to turn around and make you happy. And that's something I firmly believe in also, that happiness starts at the home. You take however you're feeling at home and you bring it out into the streets. And if you're not happy at home, you're not happy anywhere. And home is the only place that you can really control. You can't control anything outside of your environment. And if you've got drama, if you've got a whole lot of chaos into your house, then you're going to take chaos with you when you go out in the streets. And the way to eliminate chaos in your house is don't allow chaos in. My home is like the Batcave. Only select people know where I live and only select people get invitations to my home because you're not going to bring your drama. You're not going to bring your miserable vibe into my house and, and let it permeate. I'm not going to have it. So in my home, it's all about love and it's all about peace. I've always said that I put up with crap all day at work I put up with crap on the way to work and on the way home from work so when I get home it's going to be a crap and drama free environment I want to be able to just sit back and relax I want to sit back and just ah, you know and you can only do that when you have a willing partner who's going to be a willing participant in making sure that there's peace. One thing to do to keep peace in your home, if your significant other comes home and you can look at, her, look at their face and tell that they've had a hard day, you ask them, do you need a minute? It worked for years with my late wife and myself. And if she came home from work and if she had that look, I say, do you need a minute? She'd say, yeah. And I tell the children, do not bother your mother. Anything you need, you come talk to me. And give her a little time to just, ah, to exhale. Because if you start dreading going home, then you're going to suddenly want to find a new home to go to. I've often told my, tell my son, I say, Jay, the minute you get in your car and you're dreading going home, you need to go home and immediately have a talk with your significant other. I don't care what she's doing. As soon as you come in the door, you tell her we need to talk. And if she questions you and asks you, well, why? What's the wrong with you? Why do we need to talk? You tell her. I was dreading coming home. And I'm not going to be anywhere where I pay bills 
and I'm be unhappy. Cause that's just, <laughs> that's just a messed up combination. No matter how you look at it, you've got to pay, you got to pay for this, for this drama and confusion. I don't think so. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. I, I, and I don't think you should, because like I said, that makes for an unhappy home. You know, I've come home from work, baby. I need a minute. And she's done the same thing. Leave your father alone. Give him a break. Let him exhale. And it works out perfectly because what happens is you don't take your day out on her and she doesn't take her day out on you. Uh, like we used to say in the middle, in the Navy, uh, we leave whatever problems on the boat at the boat and we leave whatever problems at home at home. And it kind of works out because it, it was always funny to me to see the guys that were really alpha hotels at work. And then you'd see their wives come up to the ship and then you understood why. <laughs> and you'd say, well, if I had to go home to her, I think I'd be a little grouchy too. But the thing is, peace, it, it, it's such a, it is such a valuable and rare commodity. You have to have, you, you have to have peace at home and you have to have peace from within. And the, my way of having peace within is I just don't do drama on any level. I will walk away from you in a minute because it's not necessary. Life is too short. It is way too short to be mired down in unnecessary drama and unnecessary confusion. It's very simple. Treat people the way you want to be treated. It's, I don't know why people make it seem like rocket science and brain surgery. And while I'm on that subject, uh, Christmas season, that has, it, it has always been a pet peeve of mine. For less than a month out of the season, people decide we're going to be nice to one another. And my question is, why, why just at Christmas time? You know, why not be nice to people year round? I mean, why, why, why make it harder than it has to be? I mean, and, and it's simple things that you can do to make life better for someone. For example, you can give someone a hug or a compliment or let some, let someone in front of you in line, which I do all the time when I'm in the grocery store. I always call it the international grocery store rule. If I've got a bunch of things to pay for and there's someone behind me with one or two items, I always let them go ahead of me, you know, because don't make them wait. They may, they may, they may need to do something and it, it always comes back, you know, go in the store and buy somebody a cup of coffee. You know, or pay for the person behind you coffee and, and just lead a store. I mean, niceness begets niceness. You know, hold the door for someone. I mean, that's something else that bothers me. So many women don't realize that they should say thank you when you hold the door for them. And I, I chalk it up to being that they're not used to being treated that way. And that's sad in itself. I've always taught my daughter that a man is supposed to hold the door for you. A man is supposed to open the car door for you. And I say, if he doesn't do those things, you tell him bye-bye. And another thing I tell my daughter, he must work. He must have a job. <laughs> and one other thing you can do is when someone's talking to you, give them their full attention. Don't be playing with your phone. Don't act as if, you know, 
there's there's other things you want to be doing. Like I said, it doesn't cost anything to be decent. It doesn't cost anything to be kind. You know, I mean, just sometimes step out of the box. Step out of the box. You know, like when I go to work, one of the one one of the things that makes my day is when I open my lunchbox and my fiance has a note in there for me. And it's always something beautiful. It's always something inspiring and uplifting. And, you know, I tell her all the time, I say, baby, I look to see what my note is for the day more so than looking to see what I have to eat. And make smile. People, you don't realize a smile is so disarming. And there's one other reason I smile all the time, too. People think you're crazy and they'll leave you alone. It's every time you see that guy, he's smiling. And, they, well, something's going on upstairs because people aren't that happy. And the thing of it is, if you wake up breathing, you can put both feet on the floor. The heat in your house is working. You can open your refrigerator and there's food in there or go to your cabinets and there's food. You've got clean clothes to put on for you and your children. You've got so much to be thankful for. And let that let that permeate you. Take it with you out in the street. Smile at somebody who, who, who might be frowning. Take the time to say, hey, how you doing today? Sometimes people just want to listen. We were... Uh, just a week or so ago, we were at the store getting some food for my uh, nephew's repast. I lost a nephew a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking to a guy that was standing in line behind us. And he said, you know, I just got fired. I just lost my job. And, you know, I told him, I said, you, my friend, don't worry. I said, God doesn't close the door without opening another one. And you could see calm kind of come over him. And he just started opening up, talking to us, telling us about, you know, where he lived and where his children lived. And I told my fiance, I said, you know, he just wanted someone to talk to. And sometimes you just don't know your kind word may keep somebody from going over the edge. Just just a simple hello, just a simple how you doing? We were in the grocery store another time. And we were talking to a lady who was in line behind us. And she was telling us how she had just come out of a coma. She had been in a coma for, for weeks. And I was led, you know, the spirit led me to, uh, I told her, we're going to pay for your, for your groceries. And she just started crying. And that just made such an impact on me. And she said, well, you guys go ahead and take care of those two things. I'm not going to buy these other things. And the woman that was directly behind her, she said, ma'am, if you want those two things, I'll pay for them. And the lady looked at me and my fiance and she said, you know what? You guys inspired me. And that's what we need to just be more civil to each other. We have got away from caring about one another. We need to be civil to each other because we're all God's children. We're all God's children. And if you notice, I do make a lot of references to God. I'm not a religious zealot or anything like that, but I've been blessed to live a long time. And I'm smart enough to realize that that comes from the grace of God. And we just have to be more kind. 
I mean, I enjoy doing things for people. I enjoy seeing people smile. I enjoy watching, feeling as if I've made a difference. And believe it or not, you have. Lots of times you don't think about it, but you've made a difference just by a small act of kindness. You know, I'll, there, something I like doing if I go on like a McDonald's or a Wendy's and I'll see a mother who's struggling and I'll see that the kid wants something, I'll go up and I'll say, excuse me, uh, give them what they want and I'll make my order. And it got so I got so commonplace for me at this particular restaurant that the cashiers would just tell the ladies that he does that all the time. <laughs> he does. And there were no there, there never no ulterior motives. I do things because it just I it, it, it makes me feel good to be kind. And plus, as a person who grew up not having a lie, it makes me feel like I'm giving back. And that's that's something, too, that we have to get back into the, the swing of give back, give, give back. You know, I, I watch people that stand out at the red kettles for the Salvation Army and ring the bell and any woman I've ever dated, and I've even told my fiance, I said, you know, I did that one year so my child could have a Christmas. And I'm so partial to those people. You know, she'll watch, she'll say, well, I noticed you put something in the bucket, but you also gave the person something. I say, yeah, because I used to do this. And sometimes that might be their only lunch because you go through a temp agency to get those kind of jobs. And it, it it just goes a long way. Like I said, you get back whatever you put out here. You know, if, if you're just rude and cantankerous to everybody you come across, then that's what you're going to get back in return. And I'd rather get back kindness every day of the week, every day of the week. You know, my, my, my sweetheart was teasing me the other day about my son. And I said, well, at least you see that I was a good dad. She said, oh, no doubt about it, because that's something else I believe. Take care of your children. Be a positive force in their life, because you will not have any good luck if you don't do right by your children and teach them. And you got to remember something else about your kids. They pick your nursing home. <laughs> remember that you know you don't want to wind up with nurse ratchet <laughs> so re remember what i always tell my children especially when they have me going in my pocket i always tell them you better take care of daddy when he gets old <laughs> and they will if you take care of them you know i used to uh i used to think my mother was being the worst person in the world but now that i'm older I am so appreciative of, and I can't believe I'm saying it, I'm so appreciative of, of when she would go upside my head and tighten me up when I was acting up because it taught me right from wrong. And I used to tell my late wife when she'd wonder, why are you spanking him and all that? I said, if I don't whoop him now, either the police or somebody in the streets going to whoop him and they're not going to do it with love. You know, so you, you got it. You do your children such a disservice if you don't teach them right from wrong. And you also do your children a disservice if you teach them to hate. That you, you're, you're just limiting your children. You teach your children to love because guess what? At the end of the day, love is going to always conquer hate. 
seriously. It is always going to conquer hate. And just if you want to be in a minority and be ignorant, you're going to be in that minority because love begets love. And people want to be around you when you're positive and when you're when you're when you're feeling okay. Because you know, at the end of the day, we all have problems. Everybody has problems. Nobody wakes up and everything is perfect. It it don't work like that. You work towards perfection, but at the end of the day, you've got to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and you've got to ask yourself, Did I make a difference today? Did my being on this earth count? And the one thing I always tell people is, especially when they're they're commending me for being nice, I always tell them it's my mother's fault. (laughs) And I love saying that because it is the truth. You know, we were raised to be kind. We were raised to have compassion for people. I remember my brother telling her one day, he said, Ma, it's your own fault because you taught us to love and care about people. And she couldn't say anything. And it was very rare that you could get my mom to be quiet. (laughs) So I guess what I'm saying is every day is Christmas. Every day is Christmas. If you wake up breathing, like I said earlier, and you can put both feet on the floor and you in your right mind and, and you can go out to your car and your car starts up and you got a job to go to, be kind. Give it back because a smile begets another smile and yet another smile and another smile. And before you know it, all these foolish people, we're going to we're going to they're going to fall by the wayside. And that's the plan. That is the plan. You know, you can't be foolish if not if people aren't going to be foolish with you. Or like I said, you can't burn a fire if you don't have any fuel. You really, really, really can. And here goes some other things you can do to help somebody along and not just at Christmas time. Here's something that I'm sure a lot of people don't do. Let a car pull in front of you in traffic. You know, we're so we're in such a hurry. Let a car pull in front of you. You know what I'm saying? Offer to give someone some help. Like if you see somebody struggling, trying to load their car up or something like that. Or, you know what I'm saying, leave a thank you card out for your postal carrier. You know, donate donate clothes that you know you're not going to ever get in again. Donate them to charity. And, and just say thank you. We've gotten away from all of that. And the thing of it is, thanks to the media, they want to perpetuate that image. But guess what? You're not weak. You're not soft. You're not a chump just because you have compassion for other people. Because someday we're all going to depend on this compassion from strangers. At some point, we're going to all need help. And if you haven't had anything stored up in your bank for compassion, don't expect nothing in return. Don't Because people watch you. People are your neighbors. If you never, if you never say good morning, if you see your neighbors out, if you don't pick up some trash in front of their house or shovel their walkway or something like that, people are going to want to help you. It's 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 a bank. And if you don't put anything in, you can't get nothing out. 
It's just the bottom line. Have a little patience with that cashier when you're in the grocery store. You don't know what she's gone through for that, that morning. You know, people always ask me, you know, my fiance, she'll ask me, why are you always so friendly to people? And I say, you know what, baby? They're going to have at least 20 people come in this store and curse and yell at them for something not right. And they might as well get someone to say something to them to make their day. And she started noticing that as she says, you know, people, when they know you, when you're coming in, they want to wait on you because you bring kindness. Everyone wants to be around someone that's kind. At least I do. I don't want to be around some old sad sack who every time you look around, oh, woe is me, because everybody has problems. You tell somebody your leg hurts, watch how quick they tell you about their back or their ankle. Everybody has problems. And I'm I'm a person that had the advantage of being around someone who, who lost their life. And I have a unique perspective Ladies and gentlemen out there, life is a wonderful and beautiful thing. And if you spend it mired in drama, you're missing out on life. I learned a very interesting perspective watching my wife wither away and die. And the one thing I always found remarkable about her, not one day does she ever complain. Why is this happening to me? Life isn't fair. She lived life up until she couldn't live it anymore. And that's what I think each and every one of us should do. Live life until you can't live it anymore. My older sister, who I just lost in July, she had uh, been a kidney patient for a good 15 years. (coughs) Excuse me. And the one thing I always marveled at her whenever I would call her, I say, hey, sis, how you doing? The first words out of her mouth would be, Jay, life is good. Even though she's going through dialysis three times a week, not ever a complaint. It was always life is good. And that is a wonderful thing. And I just and I and I would get off the phone and I would always feel so uplifted after I would talk to her. And I felt like if this woman could have this kind of outlook on life. And going through what she's going through three times a week. What's wrong with me? And I'm healthy. And, 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 and I don't need to be, be, in the, be at the doctor. What's wrong with me? And people realize life is a gift. Each day that the good Lord lets you wake up, you've been given a gift. You've been given the opportunity to correct whatever went wrong the day before. Don't take your gift for granted. Do not take your gift for granted and live life to the fullest. One of the reasons why I went to OMS, I've always wanted to be on the radio. And at the end of my life, I didn't want to regret and wonder, what if I did this or did that? No matter how foolish it may sound to you, chase your dreams. Chase your dreams, you know, and and chase them with everything you got. Because you know what? You might just catch them. You might just catch them. Like I said, we all go through some things. We all have problems. Because if if you don't, (laughs) you, you, you must be able to walk on water. But we all wake up every day with a problem. 
But the thing is, how do you deal with it? And do you let it consume you? Because sometimes, you know, you got to say, forget it and walk away from it. You really do. And on that subject, I'm a little miffed because this past weekend I turned on the TV, excuse me, and I was reading about the number of people that had gotten shot and, and one person just, you know, died. And I feel when I'm out and I see young men, the one thing I always tell them is you young brothers, y'all be careful out here. And I also tell them, you're not soft because you walk away from some crap. And they'll always respond back, you already know old school. And the thing of it is, encourage these young bucks out here. They need that. You might be the one to keep them from going out and do something foolish. Encourage them. Let them know there's a better way. Don't look down at people. I mean, people may not dress like you do. They, they may not look the way you do, but everybody can stand an encouraging word from time to time. Don't be, don't, it, it, it don't cost you nothing to just tell somebody, you have a good day. I'm praying for you. Those kind of things work. And, a lot, and if we did that a lot more, this world would be in a much better place. It all goes back to what I say. Treat people the way you want to be treated. It's so simple. It's not brain surgery. It's not rocket science. And people want to be around you when you're pleasant. I don't want to be around somebody that every time you see them, oh, oh, this is wrong, that is wrong, and I can't stand excuses. Excuses, because anybody can make them. I mean, I grew up with a father that was an alcoholic, a flaming alcoholic. He was also known as he was he was in one of the neighborhood drunks. You know, I grew up with my mother taking care of seven kids with a welfare check. So it was nothing for me to wear the same thing to school two days in a row. Uh, I went I went through winters without a coat, sometimes without gloves on my hands. But you know what? I survived it. I survived it because I said I'm, I may have to live like this now, but I'm not going to live like this when I become an adult. And another subject that bothers me to no end is bullying, especially cyberbullying. How do you let cyberbullying get to you when all you've got to do is turn your computer off or put your phone down? I mean, and and the thing of it is, most of the people that bring try to bring you grief aren't happy with themselves because I see a lot of people who used to be unmerciful to me back when I was growing up and when I was poor as a church mouse. And I see them now. And you know what's so wonderful is I can look at them and smile. <laughs> and say how you doing and a lot of them will act like they don't remember me or know who I am but that doesn't bother me because the victory is in the fact that I remember you and I can smile at you and I've, I've, I've even told a few I say you know I hope the next time I see you I have my children with me so that they can tell you thank you and they'll look at me all perplexed and I'll tell them because the way you and your buddies rode me about my gear and about my clothes and whatnot, I was determined to make sure my children didn't go through that. And I love the look of bewilderment that comes over their face. 
And I smile and walk. And when I walk away, I say, you take care of yourself. Because you know what I've learned in these 56 years? Being happy and doing well is so the best revenge. So the best revenge. And the thing of it is, a lot of them were in the same boat you were in. But they felt like, well, let's all pile on the whooping boy. <laughs> Newsflash, people, we grow up. We don't forget. And believe it or not, a lot of you have been our motivation. <laughs> and that's why we can look at you and smile. One of the things my late wife told my two children, the last thing she ever said to them, she made them stand in front of her and she said, listen, don't ever make fun of anybody less fortunate than you. She said, because if you do, you'll be making fun of your father and your father has worked hard to make sure that you guys weren't less fortunate. And I just, I mean, how, how, I mean, how do you top that? That, that was just so beautiful. And they still remember it to this day. It's been almost 10 years, but they still remember it to this day. But the thing is, life does go on and you have to keep on living life. You really do. Because I was blessed. My fiance is, is such a wonderful person, such a wonderful, wonderful person. And she picks me up when I'm not when I'm down. She inspires me to go ahead and I can do this. And that's what you need in your life. You need positive people. You need someone that will tell you the truth because sometimes the best medicine is the medicine that sucks going down. You know, when I was growing up, I hated Father John. It tasted like chocolate cod liver oil and you willed yourself to get well so you didn't have to keep taking it. And sometimes the best medicine the harshest medicine, not the sweet stuff, the stuff that's going to go down and leave a funny aftertaste in your mouth. That's what's going to get you through. And that's one of the things I love about my fiance, Miss D. Williams, is the fact that she'll not only tell me what I want to hear, but she's got the guts to tell me what I need to hear. And any man and or woman, for that matter, that doesn't want a strong, significant other is weak themselves because it says in the Bible, iron sharpens, sharpens iron. And you want someone that's going to help you. I don't I don't want anybody docile because that's not going to help either one of us, because at the end of the day, as a male, I don't know everything. And wherever I fall short at, I, I, I expect my, my, my fiance to help me out and say, well, no, sweetheart, let's do it this way. Because nine times out of 10, they're right. And I've often said it, and I'll say it again, any man that doesn't want a strong woman is a weak man, is, is a weak man, you know, because I don't want to lord over my, my significant other. I don't want to rule with an iron fist because, see, today's women, they ain't going to put up with that but so long. They'll put up with that until somebody else comes along. See, and a lot of fellas, they think, like I said, because you buy flowers and you help her with her coat. Oh, man, you whooped. And here's something I've always thought was funny. 
you ever notice that the guy that doesn't have anybody has all the advice for you who does <laughs> you know man you shouldn't be doing this and you shouldn't be doing that well what's your significant other's name oh i ain't with nobody right now oh so you want me to be in the same boat you're in not <laughs> let your significant other know that you appreciate them Go that extra mile. You know what I'm saying? If it means picking your dirty socks up off the floor, pick your dirty socks up off the floor. If it means seeing a, a, a lovely card at the, at, the, at the drugstore that you know he or she might like, get it for them. Get it for them. It, it, it's about taking care of home. Because as you notice, everything I talk about eventually winds back up to home. And you've got to be happy at home and you've got to be happy within yourself before you can make anybody else happy. Because like I said, we all have problems. We all fall short. You know, like it says in the Bible, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. We all have something we need to work on. And at the end of the day, I, I want to spread happy. I want to spread joy. And you become happy within yourself by not being party to drama. The one thing most people have learned about me now, don't come to me telling me what someone else has said about me. Oh, man, you should have heard what they were saying about you. No, because the first thing I'm going to ask is, uh, the first thing I'm going to ask is, uh, well, how did my name come up in your conversation? And what did you say to facilitate this? And after that, you know what I'm going to say? Whatever they said, God bless them and keep on going. Because, see, you can't burn a fire without fuel. Serious business. You know, live a drama free life. Live a drama-free life. And always remember this, when somebody comes to you with some he said, she said, if you bring a bone, you're going to take one back. Trust me on that. And the way you do that, like I said, is don't entertain it. Don't be party to it. Because misery loves company all day long. Misery loves company. I'm getting ready to wrap it up here in a little bit. However... I have a homework assignment for you. So the next time you tune in and you may call in, there's something I want you to do. I want you to figure out a situation that was tough for you. And I want you to be able to talk about how you overcame it. Because like I said, I survived losing my wife. Growing up with an alcoholic father who was known as the neighborhood drunk, I survived being ridiculed for being on welfare and poor, and I survived being my father's child. And you know how you survive it all? With God's grace and a strong determination and a will to succeed. Because if you've got faith in God and a strong will and a never quit and say die attitude, guess what? You're going to succeed at all costs. Never let anyone rain on your parade. Never let anyone step on your dream. Because if you do, you've given them the victory. Remember, misery loves company. And happiness and success is the best revenge. Thank you all so much for listening. 
A special shout out to Miss D. Williams, my fiance, my two children, Jay Jones II and Natalia Jones. Remember, never give up on chasing your dream because if I can do it, guess what? You can too. A special shout out goes to Bishop Eric Kincaid Clark of the Body of Christ Assembly, Pastor Gloria Cheney of the Church of the Master, and Pastor Emeritus, Bishop Jack Spencer, and his son, Elder Daniel Spencer of the Pilgrim Church of God. Thank you one and all for how you've helped shape me to be the person that I am. Until next time, much love to you one and all. Peace.